Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michael. Hello, I'm Michael, compulsive overeater, 100 pounder. Hey, Michael. Ah, it's so good to be here. Um, I want to start by sharing my picture. So I have a photo here. Can everyone see this? Yeah. Okay, so this was me at 340 pounds. Um, I have lost 165 pounds in program. And uh, you know, I, I never want to give that away up front, but if you, you know, I kind of felt like you have to say it. Um, so imagine half of me. You know, imagine two of me, actually. Imagine two of me standing here. Um, I'm literally half my, my size. But the weight is the smallest thing that's, that's happened in this program. The weight loss is really the smallest miracle. And um, I start with the weight because that's why I came in. You know, I came in, I was totally hopeless. I thought there was no way in hell that I was going to lose 10 pounds, much, you know, and, and never, ever could have imagined... Uh, 165 pounds. And the weight really happened on its own. So I'm going to tell you uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, you know, what it was like for me is pretty similar to, I think, many stories in the room. You know, I was, I grew up in L.A., um, and my parents were divorced when I was a year old. And so I, I lived primarily with my mom and my dad. Um, I, I saw him every other weekend. And my mother was really strict with food and strict with behaviors. You know, she was like, you know, I lived with her. She was a single mom. She was doing her best. And um, she, you know, she did, I, I, I see now that she did everything she could to provide a life, right? To create a life that was, you know, what what she understood as healthy and you know, what she understood as, like, responsible parenting. Um, you know, she'd cut up fruit, and she'd, like, you know, I'd have steamed broccoli and vegetables. Um, and my dad, you know, she used to call him a Disneyland dad because he would do all the fun stuff. Um, so I would be with my mother for the week, and then I'd go to, to dad's house, and I'd see him, you know, I'd see him once a week, and then on the weekends, uh, every other weekend. And at his house, it was like a free-for-all. So he was asleep most of the time um, when I was there. And he was, um, so I could stay up really late and I, you know, it was a free-for-all. I could go to the fridge, I could pick out whatever I wanted. Um, He had, you know, literally everything I couldn't have with my mother. It was all fast food. Um, You know, I I think my dad is a compulsive overeater and he's not in program, but, you know, I see a lot of the behaviors that I have as, as, a, as a food addict in him. Um, so, you know, I was really resentful of my mother. I was like, oh, you know, she's not letting me have what I want. And food was a sort of represented a kind of freedom. I was a chubby kid. And when I look back at photos, I realized that, you know, I wasn't as chubby as I thought in my mind. You know, I was not... Uh, everyone always commented on my weight. I was probably the biggest kid in my class, 
But when I look back, I looked sort of like an average weight. And, you know, to be honest, that has car- that carried through to college. Um, in my mind, I was the, you know, I was the biggest person on earth. But when I look back at the photos, it wasn't real. So from an early age, I had this disconnect between what I thought about myself and the reality of my body and the reality of my size. You know, I grew up in a family where everyone was obsessed with my weight. That's what it felt like to me. Um, It was the first thing people commented on. Oh, my God, you've gained weight or, oh, you've lost weight. You know, I was the youngest kid at Weight Watchers. Uh, It was me and the Housewives of Scarsdale. You know, we were just like hanging out in Weight Watchers. And, um, And part of me liked it. Because I was like, I got attention, I was this, you know, cute kid in Weight Watchers, and, you know, the leader loved me, and she was always giving, you know, and I'd take home the gummy bears from Weight Watchers, and it was just great, you know, two points, two points. And uh, that's an outside issue, but, you know, I, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd go on the Weight Watchers plan, I'd lose a couple pounds, and, and then I'd gain it back right away, you know. It was just sort of a constant fluctuation. I actually stole one of the keys. So they used to give these like little, essentially like chips, you know, to mark your progress. And I stole one of them and I showed my parents, look, I got a key. Look how amazing I am. Like I lost all this weight, you know. And they're like, yeah, bro, they had no idea what I was doing. Um, And like, how weird is that, you know. But that was sort of my mentality. Um, You know... I, so it, it sort of continued going back and forth between mom and dad, um, and, you know, at dad's house, I think I really delved into fantasy. It was about a fantasy world. I was not only eating whatever I wanted, I was watching whatever I wanted. I could watch TV until 2, 3 in the morning. He had a girlfriend that he'd been with for, for many, many years, also compulsive overeater, um, and we would just sort of hang out on the couch until 2, 3 in the morning. I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, and and, you know, eat ice cream out of the, you know, pint container. And um, that was sort of, that was like my idea of fun. That was my idea of a special night, was like getting to hang out in front of the TV. And, you know, looking back, like what a small life I had created for myself. But that was, that was what I knew. That was the best that I knew how to do at the time. Um, you know, I grew up as a performer. I was performing um, magic, funny enough. And, you know, again, it's just all about fantasy. And it was all about, like, on stage I could be this performer that, you know, this larger-than-life character and this persona, and I could go and I could work a room, and I was getting booked, and I was getting, you know, I was doing shows all around L.A. Um, But then at school, I felt like a total outsider and a total outcast. I was in the closet. I had no idea. I had no real connection with myself. And I was the I was the chubby kid, you know. I walked. Um, I had my feet were inverted, so I'd walk sort of. They called they used to call me pigeon toed, and um, you know, I sort of like I became the funny kid. You know, it's again a common story. I became the funny kid. I was the magician. I was you know, I thought like I took on this sort of grandiosity because I was like, oh, these kids, you know. I'm so much better than them. I, you know, they don't accept me, but I'm making money. I'm performing at bar mitzvahs. I was big on the bar mitzvah circuit. You know, I, I was like, these, they don't understand me. You know, if they could see me on the weekend and I'm performing for, like, top companies in L.A., then they would really be jealous. You know, then they'd really know what's up. And um, so I was sort of always 
always, you know, both felt like an outsider and always keeping myself outside. Um, you know, I delved into fantasy, and uh, I want to say, you know, this is not related to this program, but I, it's a common story. For it, it is part of my story, so I want to say um, part of what I was doing at Dad's house was looking at his, play, you know, porn magazines that I found as a young kid. And, you know, I don't want to dwell on that piece of the story, but I just say it to say, you know, I was reaching for anything to escape the, uh, the discomfort that I felt as a 12-year-old kid in this chubby body, you know, in this school where I felt totally misunderstood. And, um, you know, I can't say life was all bad, right? I had great experiences. I was performing all over L.A. I was, you know, when I was doing that, I felt so alive. And then I would go to school and I was like, I don't know how to talk, to, you know, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to relate. Uh, always, right? Like, I felt, it, it sort of took me a while to get into my swing. Um, you know, I liked, I liked boys, right? I liked guys. And um, that was another deep secret. So it was kind of like I was living a double life, you know, or a triple life. Like, I was one person at dad's house. I was one person with my mother and her family. I was another person when I was performing on stage. There was no real unity in, in a sense of who I was. So, you know, this continued through to college. Um, and, you know, I got there and I had, you know, total imposter syndrome. I thought, I, again, I felt like an outsider. And I got to college. I, I had done some, you know from the outside on paper, some in pretty cool things, right? But I was still like, mm, I'm a fraud. You know, they're not, like, it was this deep embedded sense in me that there's something wrong, right? And like, think about it, right? I was looking at the porn magazines. I was, you know, I had the secret of, you know, being in the closet. Like, it was this really deep sense um, that something was wrong with me and that I was going to be busted. I was going to be caught any moment. You know, someone was going to walk in, someone was going to find out what I was doing. Um, and, and then it was going to be big trouble. You know, I was going to be in deep shit. And um, I want to also touch on, you know, my understanding of a God and a higher power at that time. You know, I grew up in a Jewish faith and... I remember one of my earliest experiences of, of faith was going to the synagogue and hearing the rabbi talk about Prop 8. This was during the Prop 8 times, and I, I think I was 13 or 14 at that time. And he was like, you know, the gays, we have to go get out there and vote against the gays. You know, they're, they're ruining the fabric, blah, 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 boring, sort of whatever he was saying. And I know that's, that's also an outside issue. But I really thought, oh, my gosh, you know, if God knew what I was doing, you know, he would not be pleased. Um, I felt like I was, you know, I was like undercover. I was like this kid that was just like doing all this crazy stuff behind the scenes. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like staying up late and I'm going through my father's stuff and I'm like, you know, I was stealing money from his wallet every once in a while. And um, it was all in secret. And so I really thought like God was out to get me. Right, and I had no way of stopping. Um, so I lived in I lived in a lot of fear. When I got to college, I um, I'll just fast forward through a little bit of the college years. But you know, same same sort of trajectory. That's when I really started gaining my weight. So you know, my whole life I had heard 
you're, you're big, you're chubby, you're fat, right? And I internalized that. And when I got to college, I, I actually started, you know, I was free to eat whatever I wanted. There was no one to watch me. There was no one to say anything. And, um, you know, I, I fell in love with someone who wasn't in love with me. And I used that as my, you know, I made this person my higher power. And um, I, I was off to the races with food, you know. It was the same, when I look back, it was the same sort of behaviors. You know, it was the 2 a.m. binges. But it was with friends. It was cool. That's what you do in college. You know, you go and you have pizza after the party. And, uh, you know, you have a few drinks and you sort of get sort of whatever. You're sort of enjoying. That's like, that's what college life is like. It's pizza at 4 o'clock and then at 7 o'clock and then at 12 o'clock. You know what I mean? Like there was just, there was an abundance of pizza at this, uh, <laughs> at this college. So, um, so I kept eating. And by the end of college... I could not fit into my uh, my clothes. They were really fit, feeling tight for me. And it was it was literally when I was putting on my cap and gown, I was trying to find a shirt to wear underneath it. And I was like, this is not fitting. This is not good. Um, you know, and the, the, the weight kept going up from there. It was a steady incline, right? But in my mind, I was always 340 pounds. You know, in college, I was, I was 200 pounds, 200, something, something like that. But in my mind, I was already... I was already 340. And when I show you this picture, and I know you can't see it on the podcast, but when I look at pictures of me at 340, there's no difference between that and 200. And I'll tell you this, after having lost the weight, um, there was, you know, it took me a long time to be able to see myself as I am now, you know, half that size. So there's something going on in my mind that I cannot see myself for what I really am, Right? So that's where a spiritual program comes in, and I'll talk about that. So, um, you know, food was my salvation. You know, food was, it was everything to me. It was, um, it was joy. It was celebration. It was whenever I felt anxious, I would eat. Um, it was, you know, when I, uh, if I, when I wanted to procrastinate with a project, I, you know, I, if I felt fear, I just was not in touch with my feelings at all. I would just turn to food or, or porn or whatever it was. I would just turn outside of myself to just get some, get a relief, right? And, um, and again, you know, I was this larger-than-life character that I'd created. You know, that larger-than-life persona that I created in magic really served me. Right? I was going around, you know, I, I, in college, I was that guy. I was the fun, hey, how are you? So good to see you, right? And I could do that. I could do that well. And, um, but I was never really letting anyone in to know who, to, to get to know me, right? It was always like, they'd ask me a question and I immediately turned to them, right? And I figured that's going to get them to like me because I'm asking about them. And I don't have to answer anything about myself. I can be this mystery guy. I can be the fun guy that you meet at the party and you see, oh, he's just so fun. He's so light and so lively, right? That's until things weren't going my way. That's until you did something that was against what I, you know, what I wanted. One of my big behaviors with food was um, was manipulating when we go when we go to restaurants. I was I, this is just a very small example, but it, I think it's you know you can find the, the macro and the micro, right? Like I was we go to a restaurant and I'd say, you know what? I heard they have the most fabulous flatbread. You know, I mean, have you seen the reviews? It's the most amazing thing on the menu. We have to get it. And the other person would say, sure. And be like, you know what would go well with that? Some hummus. 
You know what I mean? Let's put some, let's add some, some of that. And like, let's share it. You know what I mean? And um, it was all sort of navigated around what I wanted, what I wanted to have and when. And as long as I could have it, we were good. Didn't matter who I was going out with. Didn't matter where we were going. You know, a lot of the times it was where I wanted to go. But um, there were times when I lived in New York where, you know, I didn't really care who I was eating with as long as I could just sort of have what I wanted. Um, and I, you know, so yeah, so a couple of the other behaviors that were, that were really challenging for me, like I lived in New York City, I wasn't walking anywhere, I didn't want to be sweaty when I got to a place, I was, you know, at this point, I was a, a 3XL and clothing, it was hard to find clothes, I didn't even know that clothes went up to 3XL, I was wearing 2XL shirts with a tank top underneath, and I wore all black. And my excuse was, oh, it's New York, people wear all black, I'm going to be fashionable that way. And that was my vibe, right? So I was doing that, and um, I didn't want to, I, I couldn't walk anywhere, I, you know, people in the city take the subway, this and that. In the summer, I was like, I'm not taking the subway, I'm on an Uber. I took, I can say this here, I took something like uh, 500 Ubers in a, in a year, so, so more than one a day. Uh, over over a period of time, it's not like I had a ton of money to spend on Ubers, but I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to show up looking a mess. I want to show up looking pristine. I want to be that fun, cool guy that shows up to the party, right? Uh, and they're not going to be able to tell that I'm fat because I'm wearing a black shirt. That that's going to cover it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think you get the picture. Right. It was not. Uh, it was not very fun. I was, you know, I was out of breath. I lived on the third floor of a walk up. I could not walk up the stairs without being out of breath. I couldn't find clothes. That caused a lot of suffering for me, um, because I want to express myself with clothing, and I just never could. Um, and I just could not stop eating. You know, I could not stop eating. It was just like I would go out to a bar, you know, to meet someone or or date someone or whatever. It was in New York City. And I wouldn't meet anyone. And I would go home and I had my route planned. I would get the Uber. I'd stop by at the bodega. I'd call them 15 minutes before. They'd have my meal ready. This was my 2 a.m. Uh, my 2 a.m. binge. I'd take it home. And, you know, I'd pass out in front of the TV. And that was, that was my life. I would put the, the trash from the takeout containers in my fridge because I didn't have the willingness to take it down to the trash can. Um, you know, this, this was a really, you know, I was really desperate, guys, when I came into this program. Um, there were water bottles all over my floor, plastic water bottles, because I didn't, I was too fancy to drink the tap water in New York City. And, um, you know, I, I just didn't have the life skills to take the bottles and bag them up. And I lived in a studio apartment and I was like, this is fine. You know, this is totally normal. Uh, my fridge would smell so bad that I eventually had to take this stuff out. And I don't say that now with any shame. I say it as like, that's what this disease does. You know, that's what this disease is. Um, if I were not in this program, I, would, I don't think I would have survived the pandemic. That 340-pound picture that I showed you, that was March 13th, 2020. That was in program. You know, that, I was already in program at that time. And... Um, so I'll talk about what happened and, and what it's like now. So, 
So I came into, I was going to therapy, and my therapist had absolutely no idea what to do with me. I had tried every single diet in the book. I'd done juice cleanses. I'd done the Beyonce lemonade, whatever you want to call it, diet, cayenne pepper. You know, who thought that was a good idea? Um, You know, exactly. People are raising their hands. Um, You know, yeah, this is like totally. And again, I've been a Weight Watcher since I was 13. So, So I was like, that also made me feel like a failure. Oh, I can't even do this right. I can't even lose the weight right. You know, how is it ever going to happen for me? And I'd go into my therapist's office and I'd say, you don't understand. You must be an idiot. I have to lose a thousand pounds. What are you trying to tell me? He'd say like, why don't you just make yourself a sandwich for lunch? You know, put some avocado, some turkey, some toast. I was like, that is not my problem, guy. Like, this is like, I have to lose a thousand pounds. Do you not get that? I would literally say this to him. That's what it felt like to me. Um, and then he was, I, I think he was so hopeless and powerless. He was like, well, I heard about this thing called OA, you know, you might as well give that a try. And I was like, okay. So I went to, um, to the LGBT center in New York and it was a very small meeting and, you know, it was like three people and they were like, oh yeah, like this little tiny lady, she's like, I eat, I eat too much sugar. And I was like, okay, you know, she's cute. Like, but I was like, I don't know what this lady's talking about. I don't know why, they, what is this? But it, did, so it didn't really make sense to me, but I was just kind of like curious. I brought the curiosity to it. And I didn't see any big people in the room. And I was like, well, where are all the, you know, where, where are all the fat people? I, I was like, I was really like, where are my people at, you know? And um, that was a little weird. And then, you know, I just kept going and I, I went to it really out of curiosity. I was like, Maybe this will, you know, inspire something in my art. Maybe this will be, you know, I was not going for that. I, I didn't actually believe that it would do anything, right? I was just kind of like, this will be fun. This will be interesting. So I kept going to meetings, and I did that for, like, a long time. I did that for, you know, many months. I did not hear the message. And I want to say, if you come into meetings and you don't hear the message, like, I thought, like, well, why didn't anyone tell me that I need to get a sponsor? Like, they were saying it. I just wasn't hearing it. And so... Just a point about willingness. Like, I have to be willing to hear the message. And sometimes I have to ask, help me be willing, right? So I'm going to talk about a higher power and what my journey with that was. But, um, yeah, so I came into program, and all I did for those first months was go to meetings. I just went to meetings. It was a social club. I, you know, abstinence. I didn't really understand what that meant. People kept talking about three meals, two snacks. Three meals, two snacks. I was like, okay, yeah, and what's that going to do, you know? I can have... I was like, three meals, two snacks, that sounds great, you know, I, you know, a meal for me was like five and a half hours, you know what I mean, and it was like six different dishes, you know, it's, what would three of them do for me, like, what would having three do, you know, I didn't understand that, so, so what happened from then, I think slowly I started to hear my story, you know, I started to hear people sharing things, I remember one of the things that shocked me most was someone, and, you know, this is not shocking, someone said they ate food out of the trash. And I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. And I was like, oh, wait. Like, part of me was like, I'm judging that. And I was like, actually, wait, wait, wait. I, like, look at my fridge, you know? Like, all my trash is in my fridge. So I'm basically, my fridge is a trash can, so basically I'm eating out of the trash. Okay, so I'm not that different from this person, you know? Um... You know, my fast food uh, binges, all of that. This was like, it was the same behavior, right? So, um, so I started to hear my story. 
and I still thought I was special. I still thought there's no way that this can happen for other people, but it's never going to happen for me because I'm special. I have a thousand pounds to lose. Um, you know, you guys are hundred pounders. You're this, you're that. But I have a thousand. I've never seen a thousand pounder. Where's that? Where, where's that? That at? Um, and you know, I should call myself a thousand pounder now because that's really what it felt like to me. Um, it really felt like losing a thousand pounds. So. So I came to this, so I came, you know, slowly to this willingness of, I'm going to just, I guess I'm going to listen to what someone else is saying, because I have, I've had, I have no other options here, right? There's nowhere else to go. I've tried every other diet. There's nothing else that's going to work. And um, I asked this guy to sponsor me. And he's like, okay. And I had asked, you know, by the way, I had asked like three other people before, and I just never, I was like, will you sponsor me? They're like, yeah, sure, give me a call. And I never called them. I totally ghosted and, um, you know, I was a classic oversharer, so I told this guy, you know, I've ghosted people in the past. And he said, well, if I agree to be your sponsor, you cannot ghost me. And I was like, okay. And he said, you have to just send me your food and, you, you know, and pick something that works, right? So I picked my, as my abstinence three meals and two snacks. And I didn't know why that was going to help. I really did not understand. Uh, I didn't even, you know, God was not in the picture at this point. I did not understand what God was, you know, God was not speaking to me. There was no, there was no God here. Um, but I was like, you know what? Sure. Let's give it a try. So I started texting him my food and those meals were big. Those early meals were really big. Um, and I kept saying, well, how is this going to help? What is this going to do? You know? And I shared about that in meetings and literally everyone just said, no one gave me an answer on that. No one gave me an answer on this is how you have smaller meals. They just said, you just have to keep coming back and somehow it works itself out, you know, over time. I was like, okay. So I think there was something for me magical in picking three meals and two snacks because I thought I could do it. I didn't understand it, but I thought I could do it. And I started doing it and those people were right. You know, slowly, one day at a time, things started getting, making sense to me, you know? Like, I was like, so, so step one, right? It says we're powerless over food uh, and our lives have become unmanageable. I already had that down. You know, the life was unmanageable. That, that I could definitely admit. Um, you know, so, so I was like turning over my food to this guy with no real sense of, of how that was going to help. I'm trying to think of what, where, I'm, where I'm going with this. I really do have a point. Um, I started reading the OA 12 and 12. And, and at the, around that time, I started hearing different people's conceptions of what God meant to them, what a higher power meant to them. You know, again, my God was very a fearful God. It was a fear-based God. And I thought I was going to get in trouble. People were like, oh, you can sort of just pick whatever you want. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And they were like, you can just pick a conception, right? Someone talked about making a wanted ad for God. You know, write a wanted ad for your higher power. And describe the qualities that you want in this power. And, like, choose that. And I can't tell you today why that works. Like, I don't understand why that helped me. But, like, what I do know for sure is that when I finally... Okay, so I'll say one more thing. When I finally understood... There was, there's a line in the 12 and 12 that says there's no, there's no... There's nothing too small to ask God about, including food amounts, right? 
So I can ask this power that I have now conceived for, of for myself. I can ask about food amounts, like, help me with my food. I didn't think God cared about food. I was like, God's already busy, like, you know, tallying up all the bad shit I've done. You know, God does not care about what I'm eating or not eating. And definitely doesn't want to help me with my weight loss. You know, that was, that was kind of a weird idea to me. But, um, but I heard in the rooms that it worked for people. And, um, and I sort of just became willing to, like, again, try something new with the higher pa- Like, try something new. So I kind of just, like, chose this God, and I was like, I'm just going to choose a power that's loving and that's forgiving and that's generous. Um, you know, I still don't, I, I don't actually think that, like, it says a power greater than ourselves, right? Like, you know, a, a Kia Sorento is a power that's greater than me. I can't go 90 miles an hour. But, like, you know, the sun is a, great, is a power greater than me. I can't, you know, they say go out to the, to the ocean and try and stop the waves. There are many things that are, pow- that, that are powers that are greater than I am. So I think, like, it, I just had to choose something. And, like, what really changed for me, to put it quite simply, is I just got on my knees. You know, I'm a Jew. We don't get on our knees. But I just, like, for some reason was called to get on my knees. I'd heard other it worked for other people. And I just got on my knees and I said, help. You know, I just was, like... I think I was so desperate that I just needed help from something outside of myself. And I didn't know whether that would work. I didn't know whether that would ha- would, would actually help. Um, but I, I called out for help. And uh, it wasn't in a particular moment. I don't remember the day that I ca- got on my knees and, you know, God came to me in a vision. That was not, you know, that was not my experience in this program. The spiritual awakening has been one day at a time, a constant unfolding. Um Every day I learn something new about myself and about others and about my willingness. And, um, yeah, so I want to talk about, like, what is my understanding of God now? What is my understanding of a higher power now? Um, I, I turn to this power for, for most things. You know, I get up in the morning, and before I check my phone, I get on my knees. Um, again, I don't know why this works, but I know that if I don't do that in the morning, I feel a difference in my day. You know, if I, even if I check my phone, you know, and I start reading the news or start going through my emails, and then I'm like, oh, I should pray. I see a difference in my day. I'm not as calm. I'm not as peaceful. I'm not as serene. Um, you know, it's kind of a trick of this program. Like, I came in for the weight, and, and like, the weight changed, but so did everything else in my life. So what it's like now is, like, it's a life beyond my wildest dreams. So first of all, you know, again, the weight loss, it happened, it happened one day at a time. I was not focusing on the weight. I had three meals and two snacks. That was consistent from my first day of abstinence, which was the day before Halloween. You know, it's, it's been two years and five months. Um, you know, it was the day before Halloween. 30 days was Thanksgiving. 60 days was Christmas. You know, I... And it was just like I had asked for help, and, and help arrived, right? That's, that's one thing I know for sure, is that when, you, when I ask for help on my knees, help is always given. I just have to be willing to ask. Sometimes I like asking in the language of miracles. I ask for a miracle. And um, I know that when I ask for a miracle, it's always on its way. I just have to be willing and able to see it. It's like I said about hearing the message, you know. If I'm not hearing the message... It's something in me that needs to change. So I'm like, help me be willing to hear the message. Um, 
Weight loss, I'm going to say this. Thank you. Ten minutes. Uh, weight loss was like, I didn't have to do anything, which was a big difference from... I didn't, I don't feel like I had to do anything. All I had to do was show up and go to meetings and be abstinent, three meals and two snacks. Was that easy? Kind of. Once I, once I was willing, right? Once I was willing and once I asked for help, it was, it was pretty easy. The harder stuff is like where I landed with my family, right? And, that, and those changes. So I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, I was always angry with my mother. I was, I was really, uh, I thought I loved my father because he gave me whatever I wanted, right? Um, but actually, I felt a deep sort of pain and um, some resentment towards him because he was asleep all the time. I felt, I felt a little abandoned. And I felt, you know, I probably directed some of that towards my mother. I, we had a very contentious relationship. And one of the miracles of this program is that, you know, my relationship with my mother is like a complete, I mean, it's unrecognizable from what it was before. Um, you know, we had a conversation yesterday, and she, she was going through a, a rough period in her life, and, I, and she said, um, and I just was reflecting to her, like, how special she is, and how wonderful she is, and what a funny, fabulous sense of humor she has, and she's so caring and loving. These are things that she's always been, but I could not see. Because I was like, you, ab- you know, you abandoned me. I was a victim. You know, I was a child. I, you know, you, you and dad, you and my father totally left me in the lurch, right? Um, now I see that, like, she was just doing the best she could. You know, it had nothing to do with her abandoning me. She was just a single mom. She's just a person like I am. Um, she had a limited set of tools. She was doing what she could with those tools, just like I was in the food, you know, I think about um, forgiveness of like myself of, of both self and others, right? Like when I look back at my past, like I realized this disease was not my fault. You know, being a compulsive eater is not my fault. I have no control over it. It's something that I cannot. I, I have no say over. So there's it's been a journey of forgiving myself um, around around like where I got with my body. You know, I felt like, oh, look what you've done. You know, I, my line was, oh, you spent your 20s being, you know, you spent, I wasted my 20s being fat, right? That was my sort of funny, like, quip that I would say, oh, I just wasted my 20s. And, like, that's really unfair, you know? It, it's unfair. It's not true. Um, there were a lot of blessings. There were a lot of miracles. And there are even more now that I've sort of, now that I have conscious contact with a higher power. So what else do I, do I want to say? I think, like, um, you know, they say in the program, God is everything or God is nothing. And, you know, coming in, I want to be clear to newcomers, like, I did not have a sense of this when I came in. I did not have a sense of a higher power. Um, I just was kind of like, what I've heard is like, you either believe in, you're, you're always believing in something, right? Everything is belief. You're either choosing to believe in a higher power or you're believing that there's nothing, but both are belief. So, like, why not choose to believe in the thing that might help, right? And, like, again, I can't explain to you why this works. Like, I don't know, you know, we talk about the steps, right? Like, I don't know why it works, and it's not my, really my business to know. I just know that if I do it, my day is different. It's a lot better of a day, right? Like, I can go for a walk now around my block without being out of breath. I live in a walk-up apartment now. I'm not out of breath when I get up the stairs. Um, you know, 
my relationships with people, like I feel so much more grounded when I'm in situations. I feel available. And I feel like I have something to offer. You know, that whole idea of grandiosity that I talked about earlier, like I was the funny, fabulous guy in the room, I was never actually available to you, right? I was never available to hear what, you, what was going on in your life, and you weren't going to learn anything about me. But now when I go into a room, I pray before I get into that room, and I say, you know, higher power, help me go where you would have me go, do as you would have me do, say what you would have me say and to whom. And, you know, I, I focus on the people that I'm going to meet that day or meet in that event. And I literally, like, picture them, and I just send them love, you know. I pray for them. Um, I pray for people that I've had conflicts with in the past. Um, you know, part of this program was getting to see my part, getting to see that, like, you know, in my job, which, which I really did not like, um, I thought, oh, they're, you know, they're out to get me. These people don't like me. They're out to get me. Well, you know what? I wasn't really doing the greatest job. I wasn't fully available for them either, Right? Um, and I get to have a different relationship to everything. It's like, you know, I cannot underscore enough how much my entire life has changed, which sounds crazy. Like, it sounds insane to tell you that. But, like, there is not one area of my life that is the same that it was two, two and a half years ago before I got abstinent in this program. You know, li- like, my career, my finances my ability to show up for a day, my relationships with my family. Um, you know, I'm able to wear clothes. I wear a size medium now, you know, a medium or a large. I'm able to go and shop in a store. Um, you know, like I'm able to show up for my creativity. You know, I was so numb to my feelings, right? If there was like, let's say I, w- I was going to work on a, a, a show or something like that, and it got too uncomfortable, I would go eat. I was just checked out. I was numb. And um, that's not the case anymore. Now what happens is that I still feel uncomfortable. I still feel like the show may be hard to create, right? But now I get on my knees and I'm like, you know what? Help me. Help me move through this with grace, you know? I am willing to see this differently. You know, that's, a beauti- that's a, a, a been a really helpful prayer to me for me. I'm willing to see this differently. Um, I'm willing to see a miracle. Sometimes I talk to God in very sort of human terms. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know if you're out there. But if you are, can you send me a little love? You know, can you send me some help? Uh, a friend of mine says, make it obvious. You know, make it obvious. Don't be subtle. You know, show me what you would have me do here. Show me where you would have me go. And um, every single time it's shown, you know, I I, there's no denying that in my life. Um, every time I ask, it's given. I just have to be willing to ask. And, um, you know, I'll say the recovery, someone told me early on, the recovery is guaranteed. The recovery is absolutely guaranteed. I cannot tell you guys, I came in and this is how I lost 165 pounds. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that I went and had this hero story that we see on TV. Like, I went and, like, it happened one day at a time with willingness. I ended up working out, you know, after five years of never having worked out. That came about halfway through, right? They say you'll be amazed before you're halfway through. That came halfway through this weight loss experience that I had. 
Halfway through, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can work out for 20 minutes. Who said an hour? You know, they have to, you have to do the hour-long workout. I was like, maybe I can do five minutes today, right? And slowly, my willingness grew. Um, you know, I met with a nutritionist, and I know I'm running short on time, but I will say a nutritionist helped me figure out, like, I don't know anything about food, right? So when she says a half cup of rice is, is a normal portion, I'm like, girl, you are kidding me. A half cup of rice, you're out of your mind. And then I measure the cup. Now, I don't measure all my food, but I do measure my rice. I put it on the plate, and I have the half plate of my salad, and I have the quarter plate of my protein. And it's enough. I'm full if I have the plate. And it's like a magic trick every single time. I don't understand it. I look at it, I'm like, this isn't going to be enough. And this is two years later. I'm like, mm, that's not going to be enough. And it always is. You know, I have had the same, I love food. I love food. And I've had the same breakfast for two years. I have a quarter cup of granola. I have a three quarters cup of yogurt. And I have, uh, you know, half a banana. Now, I just want to be clear. I'm not a, you know, I have a pretty fluid and loose food plan in this program. It's not like I restrict and I have to, you know, a lot of people are weigh and measure. That's not my story. You know, my story, it depends on my spiritual condition that day. You know, there are some things I absolutely don't, do not eat. You know, I haven't had chicken fingers in two and a half years. But there, but other things, it's like, I, you know, it's about honesty. It's about getting in touch with myself. How am I feeling today? You know, um... Like, being in, t- being in touch with other people, asking for help, staying rigorously honest about that stuff. Um, so, you know, weighing and measuring, like, I still go to restaurants. You know, I have a pretty normal life, but I know that I'm not normal when it comes to food. So I need these spiritual guardrails. Um, and I guess just in my last minute, I'll say, you know, <clears throat> the impossible happened for me. Losing weight was the most impossible thing I could have ever imagined in my life. If you told me two years ago, you will be 165 pounds thinner, like, I would say, you know, go screw yourself. There's no way that's going to happen. But it has. So when that happened, it's like, what else is possible? If the impossible is possible, if what I thought was so impossible happened for me, like, there's really no limit to what else can, can happen. So, thank you.